Welcome to the Lore Entertainment Podcast. I'm Andrew Southwick, along with Lore founder, philosopher extraordinaire, and I suspect a bit of a mean pickleball player, although he probably won't admit it, Jason Farley. Jason, thanks for being on this, uh, well, this debut episode of the Lore Entertainment Podcast. So good to be here. Really excited to get to be the first of the four founders that uh, launches the podcast with you. Yeah, uh, real quickly, uh, you know, there's there are, since this is one of the first episodes, Lore is brand new. We're going to dig into the details of Lore coming up here on the show. And we've got a lot, by the way. I don't want to I don't want to forget to let you know what's happening. Uh, there is a connection between Disney, Bud Light, Target and the Dodgers. And by the way, this is a special um, original sin month uh, episode of lure podcast and so we're celebrating original <laughs> sin here uh in this original sin month and so we're gonna there is a connection we're gonna we're gonna unpack that here on the show uh we are gonna talk about lore uh lore.tv what it is uh how it works because we're, we're it's all about entertainment and most of our inter entertainment today if we're honest sucks um how do we get good entertainment where do we get good stuff well lore is a, an answer a solution to that and we're gonna explain all about how it works what it is how Jason got involved, that's coming up. And then later on in the show, a top five competition. Now, let me tell you how this is gonna work, all right? Jason and I, we're gonna give you our top five to the chosen category for the episode. And then you, the viewer in the comments, we want you to let us know which one wins. Who, who has the better top five? Now, if you are smart and you're astute and you're a wise and learned fellow, you're probably gonna go with mine already, and I know you can sense that. But, <laughs> you know, if you wanna be a rogue, if, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you want to, you know, you, you like coloring outside the lines, well then maybe Jason is your top five. Uh, but anyway, we'll get there. So we got a lot to do, wanna get right to it. But first, Jason, just give us a little overview. Lure.tv, what is it? Where can people go to, to sign up and subscribe? And uh, bullet points on how it works. Well, it is a new streaming service where the subscribers choose what goes on the streaming service. So the subscribers, choose how their monthly subscription is spent in order to build the streaming service that they actually want rather than the one that the executives from uh, some other part of the country or other part of the universe, uh, spiritually and or uh, morally speaking, um, decide for you. So uh, if you are subscribing to uh, Netflix or any of the those streaming services, they take a portion of your subscription and they use it to go acquire content and or pay for content to be made for their platform. What we're doing is putting up the uh, some options and letting the subscribers tell us who do who do they want to have uh, making a movie for them? Who do they want to have? Which, which movie do they want made? Which TV show do they want made? And um, for the things that are already created, do they want this on the platform? Do they want us to make to go um, make a distribution deal with them and and stream it for them on the platform? And so we've been out showing uh, artists the platform and the freedom that they would have to have a direct connection with the audience. And the artists are really excited. We've got 40 contracts with artists that are excited to introduce to the uh, to the audience what it is that they either have made or want to make. Um, and the and now, as of today, it's open to the public. We've launched it behind uh, an invitation wall um, and spent a couple of weeks working out all of the bugs. And uh, we the invitation wall uh, worked so well that within two weeks we went from 50 to 500 subscribers 
just with an invite behind an invitation wall. You couldn't get it unless you knew somebody that you could uh, strong arm an invitation out of. Um, but as of today, you can go to lore.tv, L-O-O-R.tv, and sign up direct. So it is open for the public. Today is our launch day. And so, Jason, if I'm hearing you correctly then, so I subscribe to lore.tv, and I can then take my subscription money, and I can direct it toward the projects that I want to see, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so you can say, here's what I want in the library. Here's what I and you can watch anything that gets funded on the platform uh, with your subscription, but you get to help pick what goes there. And so we've built a system uh, 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 called a loot, our loot system uh, where you get um, loot every Tuesday on loot day and to to put towards the, to dedicate towards the projects that you want to see. And when a project reaches the amount of loot that it needs, then it streams on the platform or it goes into production and um, and you get to see anything anybody else said, hey, I really like this um, and put their loot towards. And you also get to see the things that you put your loot towards. Yeah, I tell you, one of the things that I think will catch on with this concept, with Lure as a platform, is that, you know, when, in fact, one of the clips that we'll see, I don't know if it's on this episode or tomorrow's, but, or next week's rather, but um, it's really, it's a, it's, a, it's a cross between Netflix and Kickstarter, where, you know, where in some, some of the productions are still in production, and so some of those funds are used to complete the making of it. Some of them are already done, and so those funds are used to be able to, you know, get you know finish their funds because you know i mean filmmakers guerrilla filmmakers uh it's a, it's a tough business and so it helps those projects get made and then you as the as the as the lore member you get the benefit of not only choosing what you want to see but also you, you're able to see all the other projects that have been funded that have been released um and uh it's just incredible i think what people can do and and it's more than just being able to or more than just having to pay my money to netflix and uh, of course, now we know we have to pay more. They used to like to, to share passwords, but now they don't want to do that. So now I can, instead of complaining that Netflix isn't uh, giving me any good shows other than Cobra Kai, uh, I can say, hey, you know, actually, here's a good show that I want to see. And I actually have a, a direct impact in getting that project made, whether it's something I want to see for my family, uh, my kids, whatever, or something that, that I would enjoy or my friends would enjoy. Um, it really puts the, um, in, in effect, it makes the, the lure audience the studio bosses. It does. And they, they are the executive producer, we like to say. Our, our audience is the executive producer because they're the ones that gives the producer the uh, finances that they need to be able to go out and get everything that the director needs to tell the story. So, and that's what, the, you know, you see all of these different things, the director, the producer, the executive producer, and uh, the basic breakdown is the director's in charge of the story. The producer is in charge of getting the director, everything he needs, um, uh, everything he needs in the right place at the right time to be able to tell the story. And the executive producer provides something that the producer needs to be able to give the director what he yeah. needs. So in this case, the executive producers are handing out the, the check. Yeah. Here is what uh, you need. This is what the producer needs so that the director can tell the story. Excellent. So it's, it's an exciting thing to be involved in. And the people that were in our beta that, that helped fund 
Teach All Nations and Dark Holler still talk about how exciting it was to watch episodes of Dark Holler come out and Teach All Nations come out when they know that they're it's there because of what they the the, the work that they put into it. So it turns out the streamers are letting us all down. One has committed itself to destroying Grandma's terms of endearment for her grandbabies. Sorry, Grams, you can't call them cuties anymore. The other has decided that you can't have dragons unless you order them in a brown paper sleeve, so the mailman doesn't have to be wantonly subjected to the TNA of the Seven Kingdoms. You could go to the Christian streaming services where you can put on your ruby slippers and repeat to yourself over and over, but at least it's clean, but at least it's clean. Apparently, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, is also horribly executed. But does it have to be that way? Can a high standard for storytelling exist with a moral backbone and a complete set of clothes for every actor and actress? That is what lore is about. Quality entertainment for people not interested in seeing strangers naked. Of course, if you are just looking for your fix of and dragons, go to another streaming service, you perv. Be a part of the lore. Click the link below. And this is a good segue into uh, really topic number one for our show, our main, uh, you know, culture topic, so to speak. But there's a connection, uh, Jason, I, I see between Disney, Bud Light, Target, the Dodgers. You could add the North Face in there. Um, and we've got a, uh, uh, you, you, many of you have probably seen some of the newsreels and, and the headlines of all the wokeified corporations happening. And of course in June, which they call Pride Month, which the Bible would call Original Sin Month, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're to celebrate all these things, but there's an interesting progression. So, and I'm gonna shameless plug here on my own radio show and podcast called Culture Crossroads, uh, find it in Podpoint dot com. Um, you can, I, I made the case that particularly the, the transgender movement is, is a real, is a religion. And I, and I walked through a few different aspects of religion, of faith, tenets of faith, where it absolutely is a religion, not only that, but it's state sponsored and corporate sponsored. And so when you look at the progression, because, you know, well, it started before them, but really we, what we saw in succession was Disney started with a lot of the wokeified stuff and, and light year and, and uh, turning red and all these things. Um, and then we, and then of course, you know, a month ago we see uh, Dylan Mulvaney, a dude dressing up as a woman uh, for Bud Light and that blows up and Bud Light sales tank. Then we have Target put in their um, pride stores for kids and toddlers and onesies because of course, course we do. Um, and they're dealing with that backlash right now. And then of course the LA Dodgers bringing out the sisters of perpetual indulgence who are cross-dressing men who, who dress up as nuns and, and all kinds of, um, really just thing. I gotta, I gotta say they are bold to do that because they're not just doing it in front of Dodger stadium. They're doing that in front of God, but that's something they will have to deal with. But there is a progression here and it's this. With Disney, it was it was the suggestion and the initial the initial marketing really in this recent in this recent uh, setup. Um, all the the, uh, uh, the strange world um, with uh, with the with the gay relationship and what have you and and uh, these kinds of things. And so we we get it suggested and it's specifically suggested to kids. Um, and then two with Bud Light, that's kind of the consumption aspect of it, right? Here's what you're gonna, here's what you're gonna buy and ingest and take in, and in in Bud Light's case, literally ingest or not. Um, then with with Target, it goes on to the adoption and the promotion because that's when you start to wear it, you start to rep the gear and the swag, and and uh, you become the walking billboard for this movement. And then finally, what I thought the the Dodgers and Dodger Stadium did 
was they just held a worship service for it, which is which is the end game, if you ask me, on all this is really you're bending a knee to another God. And in any culture, in any society, you can find out, you can know who's in charge by those that you can't question, those that you can't uh, make fun of, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the thing, in all of these things, in all of that progression, in everything that we're up against, and you can add the you know, um, teachers' unions and what's going on in the schools with, with the uh, woke curriculum and transgender curriculum. And uh, um, the main question I want to see is why, why do you think, we'll start with this, why do you think, and all this is entertainment, by the way. Disney is entertainment. Bud Light is entertainment. Target is effectively entertainment. The Dodgers are entertainment. We're using entertainment to get this across and specifically to get it across to our kids. Jason, why do you think, first of all, this is a target on our kids? We haven't seen this before in our culture. I mean, we, we've, seen, um, we've seen commercial products marketed at kids, obviously, but not a movement that demands really your, your very body, uh, I mean, and, and to be, to be uh, you know, given wrong sex hormones and mutilated and, and promoting this as, as a common good. Jason, why do you think, first of all, that this spirit of the age is determined to capture our children through all these methods of storytelling and entertainment? Well, I think, I think there's actually three reasons. One, you can see the fact that they're, that by going after the calendar there, they want, um, they want this to be the identity marker of our society as a whole, right? Like the calendar is one of the ways that as a community, as a community, as a society that we say, this is who we are. We stop and we celebrate these particular things. And it's been interesting to come out of COVID and see each month assigned to a different, uh, a, a different minority group, a different, uh, you know, the, the the attempt to take over the calendar as a society uh, he has societal implications. So they want the whole thing to be um, directed directly at um, well run by critical theory. Right. Mm -hmm. So the and crit critical theory has to do with um, the the rivalries within society between the powerful and the more powerful and the less powerful or the the um, and that is uh demonic yeah right to, to base everything at, at base value to say that uh, war is better than peace to say that rivalry is better than community uh, at base value that's just demonic right that's evil we want we as christians we want community we want peace we don't want war we don't want rivalry with our neighbors um, but it's being we're being told that actually that's that's our identity. And his, so you've got the retelling of history as a stories of rivalry, stories of uh, of the weak uh, being taken advantage of by the strong. And that's and now they're saying if the weak all join together, we can take advantage of the uh, uh, if, if the minorities all join together, then we can overcome the majority and be the minority together. And, and uh, so it's not a question of if. Uh, if there should be slavery, it's a question of who gets to be the master and who gets to be the slave. Exactly. That's I, the question. I want to I want to jump in here because this is something that I've contended for some time. We talk about things like systemic racism or systemic sexism or, you know, whatever the system is. Right. I contend it's not the racism or the sexism that that um, the, the I don't want to. I don't know, the opposition that the enemy, the spirit of the age has a problem with. It's who's in control of that system. They want to tell you 
who to oppress. They want to tell you who to discriminate against. If you notice, um, you know, the, the Dodgers, when they originally uh, disinvited the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, um, and then there was a, another backlash, and then they, they re-invited them, and then they, they, uh, they made a statement of apology to... Uh, I, I don't know, I guess the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence and the world at large, um, they really haven't issued that kind of apology to any other group uh, who might be offended, who might not, who might be disincluded by, the, by those actions. But it is something. They, it's not the racism. It's not the prejudice they have a problem with. It's not the hate they have a problem with. It's who's in charge of the system. Right, exactly. And so um, the, and the, the whole way that that system is set up is it's all about power who is the one who gets, has the power to define and um the and the reason and what they want though is power over reality to say this is what's real this is what's false and we've seen that in every every modern revolution whether it's the the chinese revolution uh the french revolution the russian revolution um, the all of the the revolutions, what they're saying is the people in what they end up saying is the people in charge have power over reality. They get to say what is true and what is false. Yeah. And so the reason that the, the, the reason that the trans movement in particular fits into this is because it, it's that it's that question. If enough people gather together and say this woman is actually a man, then everybody, then it's true, right? It's, it's a question of, are we, are we looking at reality and trying to discover what is real and then use reality the way that God tells us to, what's the, you know, what is this thing? And what's it for is the, is the question that Christians ask. They say, Oh, what God gave us, you know, God gave us this um, Bud Light. What does it, good for it yeah. i mean at best beer bread you shouldn't drink that stuff it's terrible you'll get a good a good i mean if you need a lager at least get a dark lager right I, <laughs> so, I don't, you, um, i'm gonna take your word for it actually i'm a teetotaler man so like i don't understand oh yeah <laughs> I, you know i drink diet pepsi and i do i do have a diet coke yeah. today i'm i'm um i'm cheating on my on my you're, brand you're loyalty. well you're well within your <laughs> you're well within your Christian freedom to be a teetotaler. Exactly. That's totally right. Right. Yes, yes. But, I, I need permission. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but the uh, um, but the what the question that's being asked right now though is so and the reason they go after the kids is because um, they are looking to raise a generation that says, well, societal the society has enough power to define reality. The government has enough power to define reality or it, it, so um, and a, a generation of kids that's raised looking at not being able to even say something as fundamental as, hey, boys and girls right, um, is is uh, confused enough to think, well, maybe they do have power enough to you know but the, and this this is why storytelling is so important because if you've been reading your science fiction since the golden age of science fiction you know how this story goes right the the ones who try to overcome biology with science are the bad guys yeah <laughs> right the ones that that refuse to to look at at biology and say oh man this is a wonderful thing um, this is so good the, the way men and women are different and yet they fit together. It's so good the way they bring different perspectives to the same situation. And when they're in fellowship with one another, you get this 
you 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 can see reality in three dimensions in, in a community where men and women get along and uh, are on the same side and bring their unique perspectives to something um, that those are the good guys in, in the in the classic science fiction stories. Um, but then you've you you have um, I mean, I mean, you look at a guy like Schwab and think he's definitely the bad guy in the story. If you've been paying attention to your science yeah. fiction, this guy is you, you, the bad you're guy. You're talking about Klaus Schwab. Uh, Klaus Schwab, World Economic Klaus Forum. Schwab, exactly. Great Reset, author <laughs> yeah. of The Great Reset. The, the, the conspiracy theory that actually exists because he wrote a book about it. Anyway. <laughs> right. Everybody's like, it's a conspiracy theory. Like, yeah. What are you talking about? I'm, I, just, I'm just quoting. book explaining it. I'm what just quoting like? chapter two. What do you mean? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, and oh, it is interesting to see that all of these, well, that all of these companies that are pushing it all have that connection back to um, the, the, the World Economic Forum. They have that connection back to BlackRock and the, um, you know, the ESG um, pushing uh, the ESG score pushing groups, all, all of they own huge portions of all of these different organizations so it's not it, it's not it's no longer a surprise to me once you follow the money around a little bit yeah you um, mentioned you mentioned black rock and that was the article i shared with you uh before we yeah. before we did the show from the daily mail uh put it in, in in no uncertain terms that uh first of all black rock is the number one investment um company in the world they handle the they handle more assets than any other company Another one is Vanguard, and there's a third one that I'm, uh, this is escaping me around, like Street something or other. But anyway, BlackRock and Vanguard, for example, they are investors in corporations. Okay, corporations. Um, you know, I'm not saying they invest in Target, but clearly they they do to a degree. And so what happens is the corporations, and it's called stakeholder capitalism. The stakeholders are, you know, the the. Uh, um, uh, BlackRock invest and they put their stakeholders in. And then what they do is they have made ESG or environmental societal governance. That is now the litmus test for what kind of leadership your company should have and what kind of um, product your company should sell. So they're making everything uh, about um about that ESG score. So, and that's really another version of social credit, which is, are you quote unquote diversified enough? Are you promoting uh, diversity, equity, and, and inclusion enough? And of course, by diversity, all we mean is you're sexually indulgent and you have a, a, a darker brown shade of skin. That's diversity because it has nothing to do with thought or or idea. And then with um, with equity, that's that means equality of outcome. And even even Bernie Sanders himself, old socialist Bernie, never had a job in his life, still kicking and, and uh, destroying the country one day at a time. But anyway, even Bernie Sanders, when interviewed recently and was asked point blank, is equality better than equity? Meaning equality that is we have equality Quality of opportunity. That was that. That's part of uh, America's founding principles. Was we have an opportunity. It may not work out for everybody. For others, it might. In, in the, you know, and it has its own problems. Or equity, meaning a centralized group of leaders controls the outcome for everybody. Everybody has equal. We share a limited amount of resource, or we 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 don't share actually. We assign a portion of this limited resource to the you know the unwashed smellies and the and the and the lowly masses. 
<laughs> and uh, and Bernie Sanders said, he, he was saying, well, no, equality of opportunity is better. Equality of opportunity is better, you know? And I mean, so even people that, the, the, even the people that push this don't believe it. But the problem is when you have big money firms like BlackRock and Vanguard um, that, that really are the customers for these corporations, telling them, listen, uh, we're going to fund you. You need your board to be this way. You need to show these kinds of things. Otherwise, you're not doing business with our firm. We're seeing this in banking as well um, with, with, with companies, mm -hmm. uh, conservative companies. And this is really, uh, uh, this is not the only reason why, but this is this is kind of the economic pressure that we're seeing, which is which is really another, uh, another form of fascism that we, are, be, America is embracing because you don't see Disney putting out the same movies in China that they are doing here. And there's a reason for it. And it's not because they don't want to upset China. It's because they don't want to upset their paymasters and their customers really are no longer you and me and my family and your family and our kids. Uh, their customers are these paymasters like BlackRock and Vanguard and so on. You were about to say something, Jason. Well, and the you saw this, the way this influences the... Um, entertainment industry is you know, when when blackrock gets involved with things they start you know saying well hey if you do this or that then you know, the executives get a bonus mm -hmm. if they can achieve these numbers these esg numbers and and you saw with netflix when they started pushing their esg their new they, they rebuilt some of the algorithm to encourage esg scores to go up um their viewership went down yeah but they didn't they didn't change it back until um the Dave Chappelle incident right <laughs> um where they it got right out in front of them and they had to make a decision um in public about a very popular um very talented artist who had pushed the issue to the front and a small a, and a minority of their employees who were pushing the issue from the other side when they and they were looking at the viewership numbers, right there. <laughs> they have the viewership numbers in front of them and they're like, oh, we got to make a decision. They And they said, we're going back to our old algorithm, the, old, the algorithm that pushed things that people that we thought people would like rather than pushed an agenda. Um, now, how, how long they stick with that is going to be a question of how much pressure is put on them from the direction, the other direction. Um, but you you know you see uh, that this has a major influence on um, the way you know when they reboot things they become woke when they do oh you know, all those different things that uh, um, happen and you say I don't understand um, why you would do this nobody is asking you to do this why are you doing this <laughs> yeah um, you realize that in the the that the that that money whether it's preferred loan rates um, bonuses for bonuses for executives um the uh retirement accounts um you're getting getting bumped uh, up because of the esg score all of those things end up affecting decisions they make so that instead of thinking how do i give my customers what they want in the entertainment industry um they say how do i get my bonus at the end of the year which is attached to my ESG score now instead of attached to how well the company does. Right. So they can lose $200 million on strange world 
and be and still get their bonus because it's not connected to whether or not the movies they put out do well. It's yeah. connected to whether or not the movies put out have the right message. And you see, I think the we quote unquote right message. Right. The, yeah. Quote unquote. Well, the message of original sin. Let's, let's just call it what it is. Right. So, <laughs> you know, and you saw that. And just quickly, we saw that we see that in real time with the NBA and how their product has absolutely gone under the bottom of the barrel. Um, but they're they're making sure that they're keeping their ties with, with, with China open, and it's a similar pressure. It doesn't matter how many people don't want to see the games or the ratings go down or anything else because they're still looking at that, well, I'll get my bonus here and I'll win. we'll get this here and we can raise our salary cap there and all this other stuff because we can keep that part of our, our market um, alive and well. Let me ask uh, um, exit question for this uh, segment. Um, Genesis 19, Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham, and, and you know, you got yeah. a lot running out. And and uh, and that's also where you see a scene in, in the Bible where the people are so sexually depraved, they come banging on Lot's door, give us your sons so we can have sex with them. And of course, then Lot gives them his daughters, and that's messed up as it is. Right. But you also have Romans 1. We've exchanged uh, the creator for creation. We, we've exchanged uh, good for evil. We've exchanged truth for lie. Jason, do you think we are living closer to Genesis 19, Romans 1, or some kind of weird, hellish combination of both? Well, here's what I think is interesting about the Genesis 19 passage is when he says, look, you can't you can't rape the angels that are staying with me. But here have my daughters. Their response is, who made you judge over us? Yeah. Right. So just saying like instead of you instead of homosexual rape sodomy rape let's just have regular rape they consider that a judge that he's judging them right that he's put that somehow so um which is so lot is not a not a a heroic father in that moment this like to be completely clear that was a huge father error um at the same time it shows how messed up Sodom and Gomorrah were um, mm-hmm. that they're that they considered it um, even the hint that you should have a different kind of rape um, that would be close, quote unquote, closer to natural relations, that somehow that in and of itself um, is viewed as judgment. There is a growing portion of uh, society that is that screeches in that in that uh, tone hmm. and um but I don't see, uh, um, but, but, I'm, but I have seen a lot of people start to say, wait a second, I'm not okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when people see pictures of, of what actually happens with, a, uh, um, with a, a sex change surgery, they say, wait a second, I'm not okay with that. that right? So there's... Um, so I don't think we're as close it, with that being the, um, the, the marker that I would use. I don't think we're as close to Sodom and Gomorrah as some people think Okay. Uh, when you have a whole society, when you're down to one family that doesn't think that way, <laughs> um, that's when you're getting closer to Sodom and Gomorrah. So, um, so which I think France leading up to the French revolution, I think was closer to that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, <clears throat> I think we're in the Roman one section where, the the main marker um, that leads people into the homosexuality in Romans one is ungratefulness. 
they're not willing to be thankful for the way God made the world. Um, and so they start to say, they start to push the boundaries um, of nature to see if I push the boundaries of nature this way, can I find something that satisfies? If I push the boundaries of nature this way, can I find something that satisfies? Rather than finding our satisfaction in God and then filling up the world around us um, with meaning because we have found meaning in Christ and then we can go out and um, enjoy and be thankful for the world that God made uh, and live well in it. We have, uh, we're in the, we're at that point where we're trying to push past the boundaries of nature, hoping something over there um, to the side, something sideways is going to fill the hole within us. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the new, um, the new Sp Spider-Man that just came out. Uh, I won't spoil it, but it's, there's a reason that it, it's resonating with people when the bad guy is literally a hole. He's got a hole inside himself hmm. and, and everybody is resonating a lot. And it was like, well, this is a perfect bad guy for this moment in time. Everybody is trying to fill the hole they feel inside themselves. And that's what's motivating this bad guy. It's it's really brilliant well, you screenwriting. Can, but you way. can see you talked about the um, or you just mentioned the ungratefulness that that marked Romans one and really all the all the sin and all the issue that that Paul describes in there. I mean, it goes beyond sexual sin, but that's one of the ones that Paul talks about quite a bit in that in that passage. And we're certainly seeing, um, you know, sexual sin in our culture ramped to the nth degree. And I wonder how much of that goes back to the being ungrateful or not learning to be grateful for what God has done, is doing, will do, and and how God has made each one of us, particularly when it comes to the transgender movement, because I think the people in the the move, in the movement itself, um, a lot of them are being used by those puppet masters we we're talking about earlier to, to mm -hmm. accomplish a whole different agenda. And as soon as they're done using them, they'll toss them aside. They don't care about the future damage they're doing. They don't care about the mental illness these people yeah. are suffering, the depression these people have. I mean, how much must you hate yourself to want to mutilate yourself into something completely different? But some of that can come back to, we're not learning to see, no, no, God had a, God made you on purpose for a purpose. And you're not an accident. Yeah. You're not a mistake as you are. You may not fit in, but that's actually a good thing because neither did Jesus. Right. Well, and, you know, in the words of Rocket Raccoon, you are a raccoon. And that's a good thing, right? <laughs> that, you know, the, 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 uh, it was the, the bad guy that said, I have to change and shift everything around in your biology. And then we will find some, we will finally find perfection, right? What the, perf the perfect response was, I am a raccoon yeah. um, in that movie, which is why, you know, you get to the end. Oh, I don't know if you've seen it or not. The new uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. No, this is a spoiler. I know for anybody that hasn't seen it. Yeah, should Go I ahead. spoil it? Go ahead. Okay, okay, okay. Spoiler alert: three, two, one. At the very end, um, all you've ever heard Groot say is "I am Groot," but the people that are a part of his family can understand him. And the very last line in the movie, everybody that's there in the theater understands Groot for the first time, um, and. It's brilliant the way they slowly bring you into the family. But Rocket, he won't accept his own biology. And so when he finally does accept his own biology, he's actually able to rescue his family. And it brings the whole world into his family, 
his gratefulness ends up bringing the whole world into his family. It's really brilliant screenwriting mm. so that the end you hear, you understand Groot because you're a part of the family too. And it's, um, and, I, but that's what my wife has been saying, telling my kids since they were little, Hey, get your, get when, as you grow up and start families, get your table ready. All of these folks that are being used by the transgender movement are going to need families. Yeah. So get ready to be that family, open that table up, have them all over and show them what it is. Embrace the embrace them into your families because they're going to need it. And that, uh, and they're, they're being they're being used. It's really sad. And Jason, that's why lure lure TV l o o r TV. That's why platforms like this now exist because we're using stories too. We're we're telling these stories, but they're rooted in truth. We call it based faith entertainment, um, and uh, and it, it's it's a part of the solution. It's not enough to sit back and complain and be victims. Uh, we can bring something positive and something life affirming, truly life affirming, actual affirming care. Absolutely to uh, to a world that, by the way, our I, I really think the language that that we all speak around the world is stories. Uh, maybe we tell them in different, you know, physical languages, but stories, we've always loved stories as, as, a, as humanity. And the stories, the, our language is what helps us to understand the reality we live in. That's why, that's why have power over that reality. That's why there's so much competition for it. This is our documentary, Gothics. And after two years of production, it's almost finished and ready for viewing. This is Lore, and it's a new platform that our documentary will be releasing on. If you don't know, Lore is a platform that crosses Netflix with Kickstarter, allowing for subscribers to decide which projects they want their subscription to fund. This means that you get to vote with the money from your subscription as to which projects you most want to see come into reality. It's a unique concept of more power being given to the viewer, where the natural outcome is that the projects that people are the most excited for will be the ones that get funded first. Once a project is funded and completed, it goes live on the platform for all subscribers to view. In comes our documentary, which is a pretty wild and dark story about the YouTuber Gothics. And even though the Gothics documentary is nearly finished, we still need funding to pay for what it took to make it. In order to make this documentary, we spent money that we barely had, and we spent some money from friends who wanted to see it get made. Funding this documentary on Lore will allow us to recoup what we put into it, to pay our friends back, to pay for marketing to get out in front of more people, and to have funds to do the next thing. If you like what you've seen or heard from the Gothics documentary so far, or if you're aware of Gothics YouTube videos and you want to see her story told to a wider audience, please consider subscribing to Lore and putting your points into this documentary. Thank you. Um, we have to move toward our final segment here. We need to do our top five. And our top five today, friends, is top five reboots ruined by wokeness.
Okay, top five reboots ruined by wokeness. Um, I tell you what, Jason, because I, I want you to have the last word on this episode. So I'm going to go first on this, if that's okay. Normally, I'd, I'd, I'd have okay. you go first. Go for it. But I mean, you're a founder of Lore, so technically, I'm a guest in your world here today. Um, <laughs> all right, here's my top five, and I'm going to do it from five to one. And then again, uh, those of you watching, uh, Lure audience, uh, we want to hear in the comments, wherever you're seeing this, Facebook or YouTube or wherever these things get posted, um, what do you think? Who, whose top five is better and, and why? Put those in the comments. We want to hear what you have to say. Okay, here are my top five reboots ruined by wokeness, and I'll give a brief reason why with each one. Number five are really kids' shows. So Sesame Street, Arthur's, um, and the new Muppet Babies. Like I was actually really looking forward to more Muppet Babies coming out because I could show my kids. And then all of a sudden they have Gonzo pretending to be a girl to go to the school dance. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me, come on. Um, well, that- I, mean, I hadn't even seen that one. I you, love the Muppet Babies. Right, yeah. You, I love the Muppets so much. They were, that hurts just to hear about it. Doesn't it hurt? I mean, I remember seeing the Muppet Babies. That was a show when I was a kid. I wasn't allowed to watch TV before school, but they would play in the early morning before school. And so that was one of the shows that I would willingly get in trouble to get caught watching. I loved it so much and completely <laughs> ruined it. Well, um, go ahead. Uh, Mark, Marcus had all of us write on a uh, sticky note and put on our, our computer about a year ago. Can Lore buy the Muppets yet as one of our goals <laughs> to save them from wokeness? Man, we need and just to. return them to being goofy puppets because that's yes. what they should be doing. And super funny, and by the way. Stop putting an agenda. Ugh. Just be funny, goofy puppets like you should be. Um, all right. So that's my number five. My number four, Ghostbusters 2016, answer the call. I know that's not a really original number i do not like that reboot uh, and here's why it's not because of the gender swap i have no problem with new characters nothing anybody does but it just they 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 relied they relied everything on the gender swap and then bill murray's character in it basically made fun of all the ghostbuster fans and i just i felt insulted that i even liked ghostbusters with that particular film so that's my number four for uh re re reboots ruined by wokeness number three and, and this pains me to say too but disney as a company the entire company because they clearly have rebooted themselves. I hope that uh, they can be redeemed and restored at some point uh, because my family are huge Disney fans. My wife, since she was a kid, she grew up in Southern California. So, and like a lot of people, huge memories with Disney. But even when, you know, last year when the, um, the their executive producers, that conference call was leaked and they're talking about, yes, we are going to chase your kids with our agenda. And I try to put it in everything they're doing what they're doing is on purpose it's it's not like you you just there's no you can't be accidentally demonic i'm sorry you know like you know when yep. you're messing around with that and you know what you're doing and it has just ruined so much for so many uh number two the wonder years reboot I, and that might not be popular i get it i get it i think they had a real opportunity i think they missed an opportunity to revisit that era and yeah, they could talk about the, the prejudice and the racial discrimination and so on, but what they did, and this is what happens with a lot of these, and this also leads to my number one, they took the, the woke uh, morality of today and, and projected it into that time uh, in the past. And that woke morality did not exist back then. So it makes the show, to me, 
not believable and, and not enjoyable and not relatable because it's coming, it's bringing that perspective and shoving it back into a time where it it, it, it didn't exist, uh, not in that way. And, uh, you know, I love Dulé Hill because I'm a big psych fan, you know, and I uh, love me. Some, I was going to say the same thing. Love me some Gus. I, yeah, but, uh, you know, I, um, I, I just can't get on board with, and I was really excited because The Wonder Years is one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, I'm a, you know, anything that has like a lot of father and son stuff, I it, it's uh, it, it gets me in the feels. And um, so I was looking forward to that, but I thought, no, that I can't, I can't abide that. The dude will not abide. Um, and number one, the uh, Paramount Pink Ladies Grease reboot. And because it's just farcical and unbelievable, I'm sorry. Again, I'm fine with gender swaps, but you do not have a a Latin transgender whatever the heck parading around in the fifties the way they do you just that you can't take woke and put it in that era it, it didn't exist it's not there it's not believable it destroys a classic well Greece too did that too but it wasn't a reboot it just sucked but um the but the, with the pink lady what they're doing with that and that legacy again stuff i'd love to share with my kids i'd love to continue that going i'm ha i'm fine with new characters but um yeah pink ladies just blah all right jason you're up well i i um dude i was so excited with Dule hill yeah. And that I and the first episode, I thought, OK, this could be good. Mm -hmm. Like they could really. And then it just so such a bummer to watch. Yeah. So um, I have my I, I actually did the top six. OK, because I couldn't decide between a few. And so in six, <laughs> sixth place, um, it, it was the um, the 90s reboots that they've been doing. Uh, Bel Air, MacGyver. Oh yeah, uh, the, Saved and, by the Bell, and and the Saved by the Bell, and then and you just you're like the 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 innocence um, of those shows um, was the charm, yeah. and the uh, way that they have said, well, we have to make them mean something important. The way that they, yeah, it, it just has been that's been frustrating to watch, um, and. Uh, Doctor Who doesn't really count as a reboot, so I didn't put it on there, but they've been ruining it. It's <laughs> but it's just continuous. Yeah, but number yeah. five, I put Willow. Oh, I was so excited. Yeah. For Willow. Willow was so important to me as a kid. Um, it was one of those movies that caught my imagination more than just about any other movie. Um, and uh, when they rebooted it and the made the the baby in the original into a, a, a grown-up lesbian seemingly for no good reason yeah. um, other than to, to, uh, to get that ESG money. I think um, that was really <laughs> frustrating because it just ends up ruining what's a great story that um, so yep. uh, She-Ra the new, they, they did a reboot of She-Ra. Is that back? I, loved, I didn't know that. They uh, yeah. Netflix and the first few seasons were great, and then they um, took the uh, they they took it off the cliff. Oh. Um, I had Ghostbusters too. I also yeah. had Ghostbusters yeah. for very similar reasons. But since you already had it on there, I'm going to 
replace Ghostbusters with another cartoon because I was I had too many cartoons because I watched a lot of cartoons. So I'm replacing Ghostbusters as my number three since you already took it. And I'm going to replace it with um, The Legend of Korra, the second Airbender series. The first one was one of the greatest cartoons of all time. They they um, bring it back and the, um, they uh, ruin they ruin it in the last season by the, the character who's had different boyfriends all throughout fixes all her boy problems by becoming a lesbian. <sighs> so frustrating. Um, okay. <laughs> then uh, Velma, the new Velma. Yeah, I don't know if you saw any Good call. Of I saw the ads for that. But yeah. I love Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. And um, the only reason I think that that got a second season was because so many people hate watched it. They was so they were it was so bad. Um, and it was so just in your face, like in your face, here is our moral superiority to you. And yeah. um, that uh, it was awful. And then Teen Titans, mm. they um, brought Teen Titans back. And it the when they when they rebooted it, um, they switched the they switched the sexuality of a bunch of the characters. Um, they they uh, took the. um some really great uh, growing relationships and they turned them into um, they, they added a, a sudden racial animosity that hadn't been there before. Um, and you think all of a sudden, why all of a sudden they're all superheroes, but then all of a sudden they're all, you know, some of them are racist too. And, um, and uh, the, the one of them divorces his wife in order to go get a, uh, get into a homosexual relationship and, so very very sad to watch the Teen Titans fall apart, which is a great, it's a great uh, TV show when it started. Great yeah. uh, cartoon. Well, there you have it. Our top five reboots ruined by wokeness. That's going to wrap up the show for today. Let us know which top five you think is better. And are there some reboots ruined by wokeness that we missed? Let us know in the comments. We want to hear from you. Uh, For now, for Jason Farley, I'm Andrew Southwick. Thank you for checking out the Lure Entertainment Podcast. And continue to come back every week for new episodes of the podcast. More shenanigans, more chicanery, and more lamenting of the nonsense while we look forward to the good stuff coming from Lure and Lure.tv. <laughs> <laughs>